In this episode, I'll talk about why and how I started helping uh, the horse professionals, especially heart-centered horse professionals. I'll be offering some advice and things that professionals can start doing right away to create a more fulfilling, sustainable, and profitable life uh, that they can love in the horse business. But this episode is not just for the professionals. It's actually for everyone. If we want to, if we want horses to have a happier life, then we are all part of the team. So here we go. Episode 121, Help for Horse Pros. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. So I thought I should do a podcast kind of explaining why it is that once a year, <laughs> I start talking about the horse business and I start talking to horse professionals and um, talking about things like transforming your business <laughs> and things like that. I, it might seem a little out of character because most of the time I'm talking about actually how to learn and how to train and, and getting into, you know, that sort of stuff. And then I start talking about the business part of the horse business. And for many of us in the horse business, the business part of the horse business is our least favorite part. We are doing it because we love it. We love horses. How lucky are we that we get to have a career and a life um, based around horses. But <laughs> there's, there's a, a flaw in the system. <laughs> so I started realizing somewhere around 2016, I think it was, I started having this little inkling in my brain that if I really wanted to do my part to help the world be a happier place for horses, that the, the professionals were such an integral part of it. And I had done such a huge transformation in how I did the business part of the horse business and how, you know, how I was teaching and, and what sort of things I was teaching and the structure of how I was teaching. I had changed that a lot. Uh, nothing like burning out to, you know, let you start from scratch and start all over again. But I had I was experiencing the benefit of having done that change. It was benefiting my bottom line. It was benefiting my um, mental state. <laughs> it was benefiting my students. It was benefiting my horses. And I had to, I had to do a lot of work to learn how to do that change that I did. And I had to look outside the horse world to go figure it out. So I was sitting there thinking, why didn't anybody, you know, in the horse system help me with this? I wished that somebody in the horse business could have given me these hints and let, you know, <laughs> let it maybe not take quite so long with so much heartache. <laughs> so I thought, well, 
that's what I wish someone did for me. So maybe I can do it for others. And because of the kind of training and teaching that I do, I was going all over the world and meeting some amazing heart-centered professionals, these amazing horsemen and horsewomen who really were putting the horse first and they really were caring about their the horses under their their training and the humans their their students that were coming to them they really did care and they were doing amazing amazing work and they were exhausted they're burned out or they're just simply working as hard as they can and still not making ends meet their own horses were being put on the back burner. So the the thing that they were the most passionate about, which was their own horsemanship, and the reason why they got into this career, which was because of their own horsemanship now, that was getting, that was going away. They weren't having time for it or time for their family or, you know, a life. I mean, it's a joke in this business, right? It's a joke that horse people don't have time for any other kind of aspects of their life. It's a joke inside the horse industry that, you know, at some point you're just going to have to get your real estate license because right? you just can't keep going like this forever, or it's just simply not sustainable. It's not profitable. Now I also thought about how many how many professionals I've seen out there are stories that I've heard from students of some, some trainers making really bad decisions for the students. They're selling them the wrong horse for too much money. And because it's the wrong horse for them, it's, it's needing to be in full training, right? Cause they sure can't ride it. So it's got to stay in full training. And unfortunately, with some people, some professionals, that's actually the business model. Don't let your students be independent. Keep them dependent. Buy them really expensive horses that you want to compete, you meaning the trainer, <laughs> and keep them in full board training and keep them feeling unsuccessful. All right. Hopefully, um, the professionals listening, that's not you, right? If you're listening to a podcast called Horse Training and Harmony, but I'm sure I'm sure that just about everybody listening has seen that. Hopefully the students out there, hopefully you didn't experience that. And and I hope you're in a better place now with one of these professionals that really does care. And there are so many of them out there. I've met so many of them. But, you know, the other part of this normal business model, and I've I've did another podcast about this, is you know, with this one-on-one -on -one training model, it's like pack as many students and horses in. And then because of that, the lifestyle of the horse changes. There's limited turnout. There's limited socialization. There's limited enrichment in the horse's life. So I had pulled myself out of all these models that I didn't like. I started doing things differently. Like I said, I had to go outside the horse world to find the answers. So... <laughs> this this culture inside the, the horse world, you know, I went, once I attended a talk, it was um, somebody had organized a talk for instructors and trainers, and it was like a financial guy to help with the business. And it was, I don't know, it was a little bit ridiculous because he was just sort of, you know, saying to like, well, raise the, you know, look at the price of your shavings and make sure you raise your prices 
higher than that. You know, it's, you know, really basic stuff. Um, but the most interesting part was sitting around before the seminar started and I was just listening to the conversations going around the room and I kind of nudged Dana and I was like, Hey, just listen to the conversations because the overwhelming theme of every single conversation that we (laughs) eavesdropped on, uh, were people complaining. I mean, okay. Humans like to complain, but these were instructors complaining about, they didn't have time complaining. They didn't have any money complaining about their borders, complaining about their students, complaining, complaining, complaining. And really these are, these were exhausted people. These were people who were tired. And the reason they keep doing it, because who would stick with a job like that, that you're complaining about is because they, they loved horses so much that they're willing to, you know, kind of love it, (laughs) love it, love it, you know, if it kills them. But the thing is that this is normal. This is a normal culture inside so many places in the horse world. I'm so far removed from it that when I get around it, it's sort of shocking to me. Um, But this, the normalization of exhaustion and because of the exhaustion is the complaining. So no judgments. I know when I was exhausted, (laughs) I wasn't always the most pleasant, uh, cheerful, positive-minded person to be around. Right. So sometimes the price of running the business the way you want to run it is just too high. So here's the good news. Not, not all professionals are out there complaining about their students. Um, I've, I've met many of them. So many of the professionals that I've met and that I work with are ones that love their students so much, but so much is killing them. (laughs) You know, I think, maybe students, you, you have experiences, you know, you've got this favorite, amazing teacher. They're so kind. They're so generous and you see them running in themselves ragged. And maybe you've thought watching them go through their day and all the horses they have and the students and they're bouncing here and there and they're eating lunch in their car. And, you know, and you're thinking, I wonder how they do it. Wow. They've got so much energy. Well, they're, they're running themselves ragged. I mean, maybe when you're 20, (laughs) you can get away with it, but it's going to catch up with you. And maybe you've seen these people not have ever time for their own horses, right? They're riding their students' horses first because they're, they have that integrity. They're like, well, I got to do all my clients' horses first. And then guess what? There's no time at the end of the day. Maybe they'll do them tomorrow. And you probably love this person. You probably love them as a trainer instructor. You love them because they care. And because they're always available with a supportive word or advice or to come help you with a problem or reschedule your lesson, you know, every time you have a crazy week and then they give and they give and they give, but often something else has got to give. And, and the thing that's got to give is often uh, their sanity, their family life, their time with their own horses, their own dreams. So... I had a really good think about what could I do? What could I share? How could I help? And so in, in 2017, I started a program. I started a, a two-day seminar and then a six-month uh, mentorship and mastermind program. And I market it for 
heart-centered horse professionals. So this is this is not for people who want to like learn techniques for selling the wrong horse for too much money to the wrong person. <laughs> it's not techniques for how to jam in more horses into smaller spaces so you can have more in training. So I I purposefully talk about helping those trainers, you know them, maybe you are one or you've had one, the the really caring, compassionate concern for horse welfare, that one, the one that's giving, that's so humble, the one that hasn't raised their prices in like 10 years. <laughs> you love them so much they're, and, they're, and they don't charge much. All right, but we got to think the whole picture because if, if those heart-centered, compassionate, humble, undercharging uh, ones that are always available, they're not going to be available forever. It's not sustainable. So when I sat down to make this program, I thought about, you know, what are the three main problems? And there's many different things that we cover in the program, but to give you something here, to, to give you a little piece of what what can help. Because, and again, this is not just for the, for the professionals because there's a relationship, right? There's a professional and then there's a student. <laughs> so we're all into this together. And this is why I'm hoping that the students aren't just hearing the title and going, oh, this isn't for me. So I want, I want you guys all to listen to this. So the three areas that I see um, the professionals that I work closely with having trouble with is uh, number one, that they're they're not really confident in owning their unique value. And I'll go through each one, and then we'll go back. The second one is about establishing and maintaining healthy boundaries. And the third thing is learning how to leverage, how to provide information beyond just the one-on-one one hour, 45 minute lesson or whatever, that one-on-one time. So I wanted to talk a little bit about each of these so that everybody you know, understands what they are and you guys can get a little head start. Um, so the unique value is what it is that that person does best. And, you know, so many times, we, you know, oh, I'm a dressage trainer. I'm a lower level dressage trainer and an upper level dressage trainer. I do jumping. Okay, well, I do hunters. I do show jumping. I do eventing. Ta-da! And that's as far as it goes. I start horses. Okay, there you go. But you know, we all know that not every instructor is the same. So with the instructors and trainers that I work closely with, I see that owning their unique value and expertise is often the hardest piece. So students, if you have a trainer that has a unique, special quality, please tell them, <laughs> tell them exactly how they are in particular helping you and what is it about them that you like, that you connected with. You know all instructors are not alike. And here's the thing, we humans have a hard time seeing ourselves, this is normal. And then I found that even if someone does know what their special sauce is, they they often think they can't tell people about it. They're afraid it's too narrow and niche to say as a professional that they specialize in 40-something-year-old crooked riders on off-the-track thoroughbreds who want to learn lower-level dressage. 
So what happens is everybody just starts being generic, which means the people who need each other and enjoy each other the most can't find each other. So instructors, be brave, be you, and tell people about your special sauce so your favorite students can find you. Makes every professional excellent at what they do is not just the sport-specific or discipline-specific training. It's everything that they bring to the table. It's their life experience. It's all the other things that inform them. You know, it's, it's the it's the personality, it's the style, it's the way they explain things. I mean, we kind of know this, right? That you can go to five different dressage instructors, but one you really connect with. And, and students, you guys need to know that your, stu- your, your person doesn't often know. I, we joke inside the, the program, it's like, it's like as easy to see as the nose on your face. Well, you can't see your own nose. <laughs> everybody else can see your nose like, oh my gosh, this person, they're so good at fill in the blank. But sometimes that person doesn't know that that's the piece. I mean, that's part of what I help people with is we as professionals need to be very conscious of exactly what it is that we're giving people and how we're doing it. And what if we can start to literally see the nose on our own face, we can start, um, well, it makes it easier to market, right? Because if you have a specialty, if you have a specialty for 40-something-year-old um, people who are crooked um, riding off-the-track thoroughbreds who want to learn lower-level dressage, you got to say that. <laughs> you got to tell people that. You can run a whole business on that. And even though it might be feeling like, oh, I can't say that. It's too narrow. I, I'll exclude too many people. I'll never have enough business. Maybe but what about all the 40-something-year-old crooked people on off-the-track thoroughbreds who've been wanting to learn dressage? Oh my gosh, you're now their hero. They had no idea. You know, so you've you got to own what you do and you've got to be not afraid to tell people what you do. So it could be that, or it could be that you tell people, you know, you're a dressage trainer who's a musician and a stand-up comedian and you spent uh, 12 years in a monastery. Uh, that's interesting. Do you think all those different influences will affect how you train, how you be, how you explain things, the analogies you use? Of course, of course it will. So (laughs) don't be afraid to to own your unique value and students help your instructors, help them understand what makes them so special what makes the way they do things work for you and here's the thing like if you if you have if you're an instructor and you have those like those amazing students who really get you and they really thrive you say one thing and oh my gosh they they understand it and they progress and if you're a student you're like oh my gosh I've been looking my whole life for this instructor and the way they say it it's just perfect and they totally get me you You've got to become conscious of that. You've got to talk about it and try your best to understand it. So instructors, imagine if all your students were like that, if they were all the ones you would jump out of bed to go teach because, oh my gosh, there it's such a good match. Wouldn't that be amazing? And students, wouldn't it be amazing 
if instructors didn't just say, I'm a dressage trainer. No, I'm a dressage trainer. No, I'm a dressage trainer too. And you're having to bounce around, hit or miss, crossing your fingers and toes, hoping that this one is going to be the one that really gets you. So we've got to talk about all this. (laughs) Hey, Karen Rolf here, and I want to talk to the heart-centered horse professionals out there. The horse world needs you, and I'd like to help you thrive. The Transform Your Business Action and Support Group is an amazing opportunity to be in a supportive community of people who really get the horse business and really want to help you succeed. And most of all, we all prioritize the well-being of horses and want to break free of business models that use horses as commodities and value exhaustion over self-care. You really can have a successful business and still run your life on your terms. This program combines the best features of other programs I've done at the most affordable price ever, with the main goal being that it'll pay you back many times over. Now, chances are you already know some changes that you want to make or that you need to make, but you keep hesitating. And I get it. It's scary to make changes. Most of the people that I meet need help with this sort of thing. Now, as soon as you start the program, you'll get access to training on creating a new vision, attracting ideal clients, managing your time, how to add leveraged offerings, pricing, packaging, and so much more. Then we do a live call every month where you can discuss your particular challenges. And every quarter, we do a deeper dive on important topics, and that's with me or guest experts. Plus, there's private coaching options that simply aren't available outside this program. Now, you can stay as long or as short as you like. Check it out by enrolling with a monthly plan. And then if you love it, and I think you will, you can save by switching to a yearly plan at any time. And of course, if you really want to set yourself up for success, you can save the most by starting with a discounted yearly plan. You know, I've seen the changes that professionals like you can make with this program. You really can increase your income while delivering more value to your students and end up with more time off. You can own your unique genius and have the courage to stand in the power of what you offer and we'll help you do it. It's so much more than information. It's your new home base of support to dream big, get help, and thrive in this horse business in an amazing curated community. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash TYB, as in transform your business, and I really hope to see you soon. Okay, so the next piece is the healthy boundaries piece. And this is really important. And again, some people are really good at boundaries and some people aren't. And I find that often the the most compassionate, the most humble, the most caring, those are the ones who have the most trouble with boundaries for themselves. It's so interesting. I've seen amazing horsemen who can take this this like really pushy, jumping around wild, you know, Mustangy, <laughs> whatever horse is like leaping all over the place and they can be on the end of the rope. And pretty soon the horse is over there, they're over there, they're slacking the line, everybody's happy. And, and, you know, it was easy. 
Like they know how to establish boundaries for horses. But then with students, uh, not so much. So they're answering texts in the middle of the night. They're um, changing their schedule around at the last minute for everybody. They're um, saying yes to things that aren't within their job description. You know, yes, they they can trim hooves, but that's not really what they want to do all the time. But, you know, your horse has a little chip out of them. And so, you know, of course they care. They want your horse to be okay. So even though they don't have the time, it's not really what they want to be doing. And their back hurts a little bit. They're going to do it. So <laughs> healthy boundaries. And I think, um, think, of, think about boundaries of time and and scope of what you do, right? So even though you are able to do certain activities, it doesn't mean you have to. And your time, your your schedule, your time for yourself and what you want to do has to be number one. It has to be number one. Even though you know Susie can only take lessons on Tuesdays, so you have to give up that spot. That's the only time she can do it. Even though it's the your time that you would rather go pick up your kid from school, you're going to teach Susie instead. Guess what? Your time gets to come first. It will all work out. Because if you're always giving up those boundaries, something's going to give. Your sanity, <laughs> your family life, something's going to give, or you're going to just have to go get your real estate license so you can make your own schedules. (laughs) So I guess where, you know, we have to help each other with this. We have to help each other. So professionals define your boundaries, make your wish list. What would you like your ideal week to be like? You know, if you like to help people with things and you want people to be able to, um, to text you, and if you're open to that, well then tell them, you know, do you want it by text? Do you want it by email? Or do you want it um, a certain time of the day? You know, you can tell them. Do you want them to write it down and put it in a little box? You get to choose. Define your boundaries. And students, please help your favorite instructor help them by honoring, honoring their boundaries. You know they're nice, wonderful, caring, giving, generous people just help them have their boundaries. Ask them when would be a good time for them. Don't take advantage would be my message. If you take too much advantage, guess what? They're going to not be able to keep doing it forever. You're going to run them ragged. We want them to be able to sleep. We want them to be able to have time with their horses. We want them to be able to wake up refreshed and just excited to see you, not going, ugh, another text. (laughs) So let's help each other. Okay. All right. And the last piece is about leverage. So typically in the horse world, now this has changed over the last few years, especially, but leverage is still, um, kind of a foreign word. Some of you might not even know what I'm talking about when I say leverage. So, um, the opposite of leverage is doing everything one-on-one and in the horse world. And especially if you're a horse trainer, you probably are thinking, well, it has to be one-on-one. I mean, I can't ride two horses at once and, uh, you know, two trainers can't do the same horse at once. So it, we have to do things one-on-one. And I just want to tempt you to think that that's not true. Not, there's so many things that can be done one-to-many. 
There are so many overlooked opportunities for learning that can happen just as well or better when done in a group or when delivered to many people at once. So the message for the professionals out there and for the students out there is to just beware of the knee-jerk reaction that a group or virtual offering is always less than something that's one-on-one private in person because it's not it's often better (laughs) in many ways they're just different right so there's there's um pros and cons for each and in different situations and some information is delivered much more effectively in a group format or in a self-study format or you know some other way and some things are better done one-on-one in person. But I think most of the professionals that I work with underestimate what can be delivered one-to-many. And students too. They think, oh, it's not private, it's less than. No, it can be more than in in often very surprising ways. When I started doing, um, you know, I gosh, I started the video classroom in 2010, I mean, there were no, there was no Kajabi, you know, back then I had to, we, I, I had, you know, a web person build the website ourselves and, and, and put everything together. So when I started doing that, and then I started doing the online courses, um, you know, I've been, I've been doing this a while and it, it works. I, my expectations were exceeded in the kind of progress and the kind of learning that happened with my students um, through the virtual courses. So um, once I got a little taste of that, it's like, woohoo, <laughs> like I can actually help them better in some ways when they have that video to watch at home when they're with their horse. And here's the other thing that a lot of people don't think about. It takes a higher level thinking to present to groups And especially to present in concise ways, it takes a higher level thinking to do a 20 minute talk than to ramble on for five hours or to put together a course and just figure out what's in module one, what's in module two, how much should be in there? Should this be written or should this be a video? Would an audio be more effective? It takes a higher level thinking to create a system And then to be able to explain it, to be able to put students on the map in that students, to have students be able to put themselves on the map and run through it and have results. And it's that higher level thinking that sets so many people apart. And it's worth taking that step. And it's, it's helpful not only to the students because you create this content and then they can learn from it in other ways, but you, you as the professional, when you create your system, you will teach differently. It will become easier. There'll be so many things that actually become easier in the moment of a one-on-one lesson. You will be placing them on the map in your own system. And you'll, it's the weirdest thing after you like record enough training videos, you'll be teaching a lesson and you'll hear what you heard yourself say in your own course. (laughs) But what I feel like, I feel like, wow, there's like part of that brain that's just working in the background 
and has this like higher level perspective. And then the, the pieces of in the moment information that's coming through, is it a, is it a more refined or a higher level or it's a different perspective? It's the craziest thing when you start doing this. Um, but it's, it's worth it. So it's, it's not just a, oh, let's just figure out a way to do this so I can make some money. It, if you love teaching, you will love creating your system and you'll probably be hugely surprised by it. And even though it takes a big effort to do it, and that's why if you do it, you are distinguishing yourself and differentiating, differentiating yourself from the generic other dressage trainer or whatever trainer down the road. But when, if you start to put that effort in, it's a little bit of hard work at the beginning, and then it makes everything else easier for your students and for you. So students, if your instructor starts putting together group programs or um, worksheets or training videos, you should be jumping up and down being like, oh my gosh, I got one of those higher level thinking instructors. To, for them to do that, they are going home thinking about you and thinking about how to explain it better. So support this, get excited about this, show up for these things. If they do, hey, let's get together for an evening and do this, we'll do simulations or we'll go deeper on this stuff that I only have like two minutes to say in the middle of our lesson, but we want to go deeper on it, show up. You'll be amazed. So another thing that I wanted to talk about on this is I start, you know, talking about that unique value and different boundaries around time and the leverage and, you know, different ways of delivering information. I do want to talk about the actual horse training session, because this is another thing that the, when I work with people and in our especially in our um, six-month mastermind, um, that this comes up, that they they want to take training horses in, but, you know, more and more the world is learning about the value of relationship training or training with a priority on relationship and with the partnership and where the horse has more of a voice. And the training, training in this way, looks different than control-based, submissive, you know, dominant submissive sort of um, training methods. And when you train in this way, the horse often gets more breaks or the timing doesn't look the same. So when I was back in New York in the dressage barn, it's like those training horses were on a 45-minute schedule and, you know, the people would bring them out, you know, and it's like, well, I had to figure out, I mean, there's an art to that. I had to figure out how to get, you know, from stirrups in the stirrups to out of the stirrups was 45 minutes. And there was another horse coming. I had to stick on the schedule. That's just what was happening. And when you're training with more partnership or when you're really dealing with the horse's emotions, um, often the training looks different. Some sessions might go a little bit longer or a lot longer and some sessions are going to be much, much shorter. Some sessions are long, but it doesn't look like anything's happening. Some sessions are short, and it doesn't look like anything happened. Some sessions are short, and a lot's happening. But it's it's not 
always on a schedule. We humans need the schedule. But when, if you have a trainer that's really thinking about relationship and partnership, and let's say I'll just keep using dressage as an example, but you know, so many students, they think, okay, I'm in full training. That's, you know, five or six days of one hour training sessions a week. So I get, you know, 20 to 25, whatever the number is. Okay. I get this X number of training sessions a week, a dressage and it's a dressage trainer. So I've got dressage training. And then they're like, oh, but on Thursday, you just went for a hack. So that doesn't count, right? You know, or on Tuesday, you only had the horse out for 10 minutes. So I get a credit, right? And, and no, like this is all part of the training method. And this is something that the, the trainers that I work with who, who follow more of this kind of model, they get scared. They're like, I know what the horse needs and I know this is what works and I know this is what's going to get people there faster, but I don't think my students are going to understand. They're not going to understand. It's going to look like I'm not doing anything. And so I hear this so many times. I'll say, I can't take training horses. I they'll either say, I can't take training horses anymore because the way I train, it doesn't look like anything's happening and they won't accept that. And I'm thinking, this is a heartbreak. No, no, no. Like this is a person who's really feeling for the horse and feeling for the moment and doing what the horse needs and giving the break when the horse needs the break and the processing time. And now that person is no longer going to take training horses. The ones who can really help, they're not going to take training horses anymore because they think their students are not going to understand. Or maybe a student or two did complain. They're like, hey, you only, I only saw you actually ride the horse, you know, three times last week. So what's my credit? And then these compassionate, humble, caring, giving heart-centered instructors often crumble and they go, oh my gosh, it, I doesn't feel like integrity. I don't feel like I'm, they're not getting their money's worth and they can't bear doing it. And that's a shame. <laughs> so I think here's another time where students and instructors need to work together. So professionals, you need to do what you know you need to do. This is your expertise. Don't compromise. Because here's the other thing. So either they're not tra taking horses and training anymore, or they're compromising. They're like, well, I know that if I want to start this horse, it's going to take three months. And in my program, I have a three-month program. And by the end of three months, most horses are doing X, Y, and Z. And then the student says, well, I only, I can only afford, um, a month. Can we do it in a month? And you'll go, well, no, it really usually takes three months. And they're like, well, I only have a month and this is a really good horse. And I've done all this other stuff to get it ready. And can we just do it for a month? Do you think we can be walk, trot and cantering by a month? And you're like, well, no, I mean, and then you end up going, you know, they tell, they tell you a good story. Well, I have to, because I'm moving and I really want you to take the horse and, you know, so we really need to do it in a month. Okay. So you do it in a month and guess what? You cut your own corners, you compromise your system and then nobody wins because things are rushed 
or whatever, and you're kicking yourself because you knew it. You knew it shouldn't be done in a month. So neither of those cases are good. So what we need to do is talk to each other. Professionals, know your system, know your program, and be able to explain it. Hopefully you've given your program some thought. You've got some reasons. You, you, you have reasons why you're doing things. Do share that with your clients and have a way of describing it so that people know what that unique system is going in. Don't just call yours. I, I start horses. Like, well, how? What are, what are your priorities? What are you looking for? What's the important stuff? So when people coming in, they don't just go, well, the other one down the street does it this way. Know how you're unique and explain it to your students so they know what they're doing. Students, if you have a question, ask a question, but honor your professional's program. You've got to work together. You've really got to work together. Now, of course, I'm talking about all these heart-centered professionals who put the horse first and are compassionate and humble. I get that there are some trainers out there that are not that and that they don't have the best intentions. So hopefully, students, you can sort those ones out and not use them. And I have other blogs and podcasts about, you know, how to find the trainer that's right for you. Do your, you know, investigating, do your research, know what your principles and priorities are, match them with them, ask them questions. Because at the point when you say, okay, I, I, I think you're for me, you know, what's your program? You've got to build, you've got to build that trust, but you've got to let the trainer do their program. Ask them all the questions you need up front have check-in points. Sometimes the program changes. Sometimes you're in and then, you know, you have to have a meeting and go, you know what? Um, here's, here's the status. Here's the state of the union of my horse. And here's what I think we need to do from here. Um, but you're going to get more out of your instructor and trainer. If you let them blossom, if you let them have the courage to be themselves and to use, pull from all their resources and help them be bold enough to not be generic. Let them pull from all their life experience and help you. They want to. The ones that I've met, they want to. That they spend um, sleepless nights trying to figure out how to help you and your horse. They really do. They're out there. I have a renewed faith in the horse world just from um, the people that I've worked with. So... Um, I've got some resources for the professionals here. Uh, there's two things. Now, um, if you're listening to this, when this podcast first comes out every February, um, I do a two day, um, live event this year. It's virtual. You can find all the information for that at dressagenaturally.net slash T Y B. And that's T Y B, which stands for transform your business. So dressagenaturally.net slash T-Y-B. You can find information there. And um, I also have a free, there's, I did like a little three-part training that I think you'll really like. It's, um, it's a little video, and it's, but it's got a worksheet. It's got like stuff you can like do. <laughs> and it's free. So I'll give you the URL for that. And you can check that out. Just go click on it. You get instant access and you can, you know, get a little feel of, 
little taste of what it's like to start to make some changes and work through this. It's called Fuel for Your Business. Um, and so you can find that at dressagenaturally.net slash fuel, F-U-E-L. And I'll put the links uh, in the show notes and, or, you know, you can find it on uh, my website. If you go to the podcast page of my dressagenaturally.net website and just navigate to this episode, this is episode 121 and you'll find uh, the links to those there. So bottom line, together, together we can help the horse, the horses have a happier time in this world, right? So we need to help the heart-centered professionals thrive. These are the ones we want to thrive and make the world a better place for horses and the humans that love them and want to learn to be the best for them. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.